This is cassette tape number 18, and this is another episode of I Will Write Your Book. I am Will Hines. I'm a ghostwriter, and this podcast are my recordings of my meetings with my clients who want books written. As always with me is my copy editor, Karen Donahue. Hello, Karen. Hi. Hi. Uh, so glad you're here. Nice to, uh, nice to see you. Okay. That's too much already? You think that's too much of a nicety? <sighs> it's performative. I, I really it's not genuine it's not sincere sometimes I, I I'm, I'm a victim of that sometimes but I do think in this case I'm really just trying to say hello you know I'm we're doing this over a zoom call so it's nice to see you hmm okay oh I convinced you on that that's nice um so Karen we have a, another client today I don't know anything about uh what the book is that we're going to hear but uh, his name's Jim Stanley and I think we should just connect him right now and get into it how do you think how do you feel about that yeah, let's go. All right. I got stuff I have to do today, so. Okay, I don't mean to hold you I up. mean, this is a big favor that I'm doing. You understand that, right? Well, I pay you for your services. So I don't <laughs> for this? Gonna... For this? Well, this is part of your work. You have. Well, the I haven't comp- gotten a check for this yet, for this time. Well, this Should is... I be billing you the hours for this? Well, no, it's folded into your fee for copying. It is? Okay. Oh, what do you have to do later that you're so... That you're so... It's none of your business. Well, right, okay. So uh, let's. Uh, this this gentleman's name is Jim Stanley, and I'm going to connect him right now. Jim, are you there? Uh, hello. Hi, Will. How are you? Oh, very good. Hi. Uh, yeah, Jim Stanley. Yeah, this is Will Hines. Uh, we've emailed a little bit, and also I should tell you what you can see on the Zoom call here is Karen Donahue. Nice to meet Hi, you. Hi, Jim. Nice. Hi, nice to meet you. I, I really, I really like that accent, Jim. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm from. I'm a proud Liverpoolian from the northwest of oh. England. So, yeah. yeah, Liverpool. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's actually what uh, my book is about. Will actually? Oh yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, tell me, tell me about your book. Well, I I, I, I want to write a, a a history, a music history of Liverpool, starting in the sixties and then moving forward. Oh, terrific idea! I love it. Music history of Liverpool. I mean, this is one of my personal favorite subjects, and lots of this is a really marketable idea. I should be very clear with you, with uh, with you, Will. I, I don't, I don't want to include the Beatles in this book. Okay. Okay, that, all right, that does seem like an interesting choice. When you tell me music from Liverpool, and in particular music in Liverpool in the 60s, it does seem like the Beatles That's the, would the, factor the in. the decade of my youth, my favorite time growing up in Liverpool. I mean, I love that you have a personal connection to it. You're, if you grew up then, that, that, that really is a good topic for you. But you, you say you don't want to include the Beatles at all. Yeah, I don't care for them very much. I, I just don't think... And I've really got a lot to say about them, to be honest. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um, what, I have a lot of questions to, to follow up on that. What, what music are you going to focus on if it's not the Beatles? Well, I, I, love, I love some of the real heroes of the Mersey Beat. I love Jerry and the Pacemakers, The Searchers, oh. you know, okay. Scylla Black. Yes, uh, I, you know I'm a big fan of the Beatles, so I, I'm familiar with a lot of these artists, uh, the sort of their contemporaries, and mm. uh, who. But it's really strange to me if you're going to do Jerry and the Pacemakers. I mean, Jerry and the that was they were managed by the Beatles' manager Brian Epstein, right? They had the same manager. Exactly, and what 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 a cautionary tale they are for the Beatles because it's it's them that lives on in my heart. So you know, same manager but a completely different outcome. 
completely different outcome, but it's really strange to focus. I was going to say, maybe if you want to focus on like classical music or something, or like some kind of music that's got nothing to do with the Beatles. But if you're going to focus on Jerry the Pace, they had like mop top haircuts, right? Like, didn't they have like Beatles haircuts? Well, I, I, I think of them as Jerry and the Pacemaker haircuts that the Beatles then appropriated. No one thinks that. No one thinks that. Yeah. Well, Carrie- maybe, you know what? Maybe if the Beatles didn't, you know, monopolize everyone's time, Jerry and the Pacemakers would be a household name. I think so. Right? I think so. That's I, what... I, okay, okay. Well, maybe, maybe that's right, because I, I have to say, I've always thought of Jerry and the Pacemakers, although a fine group with, I think I can think of two songs that they've done. They did a great cover of um, You'll Never Walk Alone from the, from the musical Carousel. They did a cover. Okay, You'll Never Walk Alone. Not a real rock and roll tune, um, but... Uh, I know they were a fine, a fine, accomplished group, but I always thought of them as sort of they were buoyed by the Beatles' success. Like it wasn't that the Beatles held them down; it's that we never would have heard of Jerry and the Pacemakers at all if it wasn't for the Beatles. Sort of that—that that was always the understanding I had of the. I, I, but I didn't grow up there, so maybe there's something I'm not understanding. Yeah, I, I'm not saying the Beatles aren't important. I'm just saying I just don't think there's room for them in my history of Liverpool music. No room. Okay, so you want to do Liverpool music of the '60s? No Beatles. Cilia Black, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Mm. I'm happy yeah, you, to take you, it you... further back. You know, I'm happy to talk about bands like the Quarrymen um, and the jazz wait, musicians of wait, Liverpool. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Quarrymen is now. Tell me if I have this right, because I want to make sure. Isn't the Quarrymen John Lennon's band from before the Beatles? Like, didn't the Quarrymen become the Beatles? Uh, yes, they did. Is it true that John Lennon and Paul McCartney were both in the Quarrymen? Yes. Is it true that I was also in the Quarrymen but wasn't in the Beatles? Yes, that's also oh, I true. I see. Okay. That's also true. <laughs> I see. So they were great, though. They all we had great times. Great times. The- so you're interested in covering the Quarrymen, but not the Beatles? Well, probably the later stages of the Quarrymen, because we were mainly active during the late 50s. And uh, this You wanted was... to be a 60s group, so you'll just talk about how what aspects of the Quarrymen influenced the 60s, except for the aspect of the Quarrymen that became the Beatles. What happened with the Quarrymen? What happened with you? I was the washboard player in the Quarrymen, and John and Paul sat me down and they said, look, Jim... You're a great washboard player. You're probably the best washboard player in, in Liverpool. Wow. That's saying something. That's saying something. But uh, they said there's no place for washboard in the Beatles. Ugh. Gosh. That's got to really hurt. They told me that That's on really... the 31st of December, 1959. So I won't be including it in this book. Oh, New Year's you just Eve. Want to start End of the, the decade. Yeah. So that conversation also won't make the book. I got to say, that's a pretty interesting story that people would be interested in hearing. I mean, like if you were... To be even to be kicked out of a band personally by John Lennon and Paul McCartney is, I, I got it like that's that's something I, I I would even though I can understand how painful that is for you that that would make the book a lot more interesting to leave that out totally. Did you grow up with those guys? Oh yeah, we were we were like we we went through thick and thin. We were, you know, birds of a feather, and we flocked together. We we, we oh, gosh, I must have been friends with those two. I was friends independently before they met. I sort of, I played a key role in introducing them to each other. Oh, so you introduced them to each other, huh? Yeah. Wow. Um, but after that point, it was it was really different. They got on like a house on fire and there was no room for old Jim. Wow. Yeah. That must have hurt. Yeah. And but you, you don't s- want to put that, you don't want to put that in the book, the part about you having the meet and I don't want to put any, up any bad blood in the book. I just want to focus on uh, the music. I, 
I can understand that. Yeah, focusing on the negative is can be can be can be a bit of a downer. I mean, I do think it's really interesting that if you were friends with John Lennon and Paul McCartney before they knew each other, but let's how about we just talk about your washboard playing independently of the Beatles for a second? Thank you. I mean, that's music to my ears. Everybody wants to know about how I, how I got on with John and Paul, but for me, it was always about the music. It was always about the washboard. So when you say it was about the music, can you tell me what exactly happens when somebody plays a washboard? I've never I've never really. I'm not too familiar with that. Right. Well, you know what a washboard is, right? You've got those over there, I'm sure. Actually, I now that I think about it, I maybe don't know what one is. I I, mean, I associate it with like Appalachian jug bands, but I what is? No, a that's washboard? what a washboard is. Yeah. Okay. Is it just like a corrugated piece of metal or something like that? That's right. It's got wooden struts down the side, and it, it's mostly metal then down the middle. And and what what you would do? I mean, it's a washboard, so you'd wash your clothes on it. But you could also get a good rhythm out of it. You know, if you're if you're skilled and you practiced enough, you can keep time with a washboard, no problem. And we were playing skiffle music, and that's mostly rhythm anyway. Yeah, skiffle's like sort of up tempo, fast. Uh almost like blues chords over it became rock and roll at some point right exactly and the real art of it is what do you run along your washboard you know it could be fingers it could be a fork it could be um, wet clothes wet clothes you would actually play wet clothes sometimes during a musical performance you'd bring wet clothes up there and run them up and down the washboard well that was one of the points of contention with john and paul actually they said it's making a mockery of what we're trying to do here oh man that must have hurt that must have hurt did you ever branch out beyond the washboard to other instruments? Did you ever play the mouth harp or the brute, the mop bass or anything? Well, the only time I got a chance to use another instrument was when I ran it along the washboard. I didn't really take a shine to you know the other instruments the lads were playing. I couldn't really get a handle on it. So you would just use other instruments themselves to run up and down the washboard and make a rhythmic sound? Yeah, ironically, you can get a handle on that. What's what's the secret to being a strong washboard player? If you were, if I had a whole room of washboard players and you were going to evaluate them, how would you decide who's good and who's bad? I'd say you've got two strong arms because you're going to be up there maybe two or three hours playing your skiffle music, and you're going to have to two swap, or three hours. You're going to have to swap arms at some point, Will. Yeah. But as I say, I don't want to include any of this in the book because I gave up my washboard. Okay, so not even your own personal washboard. Okay, I mean, I think there's a heck of a book to be had in your 50s experience of coming up with John and Paul, playing the washboard, getting kicked out of the Beatles just really two years before they hit it big. Yeah, I mean, it's a story well told, though, isn't it? The, the start of the Beatles, everybody know, everybody knows that story. It's not the story I want to tell. I, I ha- you know, I've seen a book about the Beatles. There's a, you know, remember their rooftop concert they did toward the end of their careers? Didn't care for it very much. You didn't like that rooftop. That's a pretty legendary performance from them. Just thought they could have used the washboard up there, you know. Okay, I guess I never thought about that. I, I have to, I'll have to re-listen to it and think about it. What it sounds like with a washboard added in. Did you ever think about that? Did you ever think about, oh, what would you know, let it be sound like with a washboard in it? You know, how would Sgt. Pepper's a whole album change if there was washboard injected into that? Well, Karen, I'm, I'm sure you can imagine it was very difficult for me to listen to any of the Beatles songs, but it was also even more difficult to avoid them. Uh, and so yeah. I, I did wonder, you know, when they were bringing in Eric Clapton to play guitar or they were bringing in Preston, I thought, well, these these lads, they have no history with the boys. And, and we went through something, you know, we were 17, 18 there. Yeah. And again, I don't want to include this in the book. I just, okay. I mean, this is fascinating. Like, I am eating this up. Like, I, I would really... Think you, I think you should include it. Hey, did, did you ever meet Pete Best? I mean, he's got sort of a similar story to you, you know, their drummer that they kicked out for Ringo. Yeah, actually, we, we thought about collaborating and um, forming a band of our own, but the problem was he didn't think much of the washboard either. So, um, 
That really hurts. Pete Best also rejected you. Well, yeah, I mean, he went off to Hamburg with the lads, so uh, he, he did okay, but uh, I was just stuck in Liverpool. Do you think that he was kind of jealous of the washboard because, you know, it's kind of like a percussive kind of an instrument and it kind of keeps time? Do you think it was like a jealousy kind of a thing? I mean, I'd have to say I think all the lads would say it was a jealousy thing because right. you know, we could rock up at a school a summer fate and, um, we, you know, it'd be the washboard player that all the girls wanted to talk to. And I, I think that just right. started Is that to, right? That's, that's, that's dead on. And uh, yeah. I, I think the lads, they probably just over time wanted a taste of that magic, but they didn't really have the skills. So mm. let's just start a band, get away from the washboard and have them focus on the haircuts. Right, right. They really did focus on those haircuts pretty intensely. I noticed that you, you, you've shied pretty far away from the mop top look yourself. That's well, I can't, I, you know, I can't grow it anymore. I'm a, I must be, how old am I now? I must be 85 years old. There's no way to, there's no way to know. There's no way to know, but you're, you're up there for sure. Right. You must be around 85, give or take. Okay, so we're going to focus on the music of the 60s right. without the Beatles. We're going to focus on Jerry and the Pacemakers, but it's other Mersey Beat bands. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Other Mersey Beat bands, you know, Ferry Cross the Mersey, that was one of theirs. You know, I used, to, I used to go dancing down in the Cavern Club on the off nights when the Beatles weren't on because I couldn't really face it when they were playing. and uh, We would hear some great bands. So you were even at the Cavern Club at the time that the Beatles were performing at the Cavern Club, but you just went on the off nights, the non-Beatles nights. Well, it was cheaper. You could get in for two, for, for two bob, and it was a lot more expensive when the Beatles were on. So, Ugh, that's not very accessible to the people of Liverpool, huh? You're not, you're not wrong, Karen, but you know what? We saw some bands you wouldn't believe. Billy and the Haters, you know. Billy and the Haters. We, we saw the Brill Cream Brothers. We saw... Brill, yeah, these are one. These are bands I'm not so familiar with. The Brill Cream Brothers. These are the sorts of bands I want to get to talk about in the book if I can, because you know they might not have sold the records, but they could play. I mean, the Brill Cream Brothers. That was just three washboard players, but they were fantastic. Three washboard players. That's hard for me to even imagine what that would. Sound. Isn't that just going to be a sort of a blurry cacophony of noise? I mean, you've hit the no nail on the head there, Will. You've hit the nail on the head. Oh, that's what's good about it? That's what's good about it. You know, you could really feel it. I, I, I imagine like the kids today, they'll go to a drum and bass concert or, you know, um, a rave and they'll feel it in their body. I, that was what I, I felt watching the Brilkin Brothers, really. Was, I could feel the washboard. Are you, are you, are you saying Brill, Brill Cream? Just so I get that name right. Yeah, Brill Cream. It's, um, it's a hair product that was popular in the late 50s and early 60s in the UK. Maybe it didn't make it over to the States for them. I think I have heard of it. Brill Cream sounds familiar. Right. In those days, it was quite popular to sort of attach yourself to a brand in order to build some notoriety. And that's what they did. So these three guys with washboards called the Brill Cream Brothers to get up and just really go to town on their washboards. Now, Jim, are you just kind of imagining the book to be you kind of describing what the music sounds like for each band? Or are you kind of talking about what the time was like then, what their personalities were like? What are you kind of thinking? I imagine it as a sort of oral history, but you'd only hear from me. And so it would be a sort of first person narrative about my own, like you say, uh, Karen, my own experiences my descriptions of the music. Right. Do you want to interview anybody else? Should we get other people's opinions? Maybe we can interview people who are in Jerry and the Pacemakers, you know, or Billy and the Haters, look up some of the Brill Cream Brothers. Good, good luck getting a hold of those boys. I can tell you, they must be, oh, I don't know if they live in big gold houses. You can't get a, get a hold of You think the Brill Cream Brothers are really rolling back in a big house? Well, I, hadn't heard, I didn't hear from them after 1963, so I just assumed that they retired and uh, you know, live a life of luxury. Is, they had just made so much money 
off their washboard act. What did you, what did you do in the 60s? Were you still in the music business? Were you still uh, bringing your washboard around and getting gigs? Or did you have to move on to, to, new, to new things? Well, I used to try and bring it around to get gigs, but they thought I was there to wash like tea towels and um, bar That's equipment, rough. you know. Who's this guy with a washboard, yeah. Yeah, they would just give you work at the bar. Yeah, but it's a living, oh. you know. It's a living. Well, then you would do it. <laughs> of course, what am I going to do? I've got to pay the bills. And you can probably make a good sound with some tea towels on a washboard. For me, they're all just instruments, Karen. They're all just, you know, bits, you know, devices that can help me perfect my craft. Wow. Are you a are you a composer yourself, Jim? Have you ever written your own music for washboards since it's so much about the music for you? Well, it's funny you mention that because me, John and Paul, we used to write together, actually. What? That's right. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people you wrote, say that. You wrote with two of the most successful rock and roll songwriters of all time, if not the most successful. I'm not denying that, but I just don't care for their music. You know, I find it a bit impersonal. A little bit like they've sold out, if I'm honest. Did you contribute to any of songs that we might know? Uh, I don't like to cast aspersions, but there are a lot of ideas that popped up in songs like Love Me Do, She Loves mm -hmm. You, I Saw Her Standing There, that, that we worked on earlier on, you know. We were talking about loving girls all the time. So the right. idea of talking about girls. That's right, the idea of talking about girls. Those guys probably never talked about girls before, uh, you know, they met you. That's, 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 that's right. I don't know if they ever talked about girls together. You know, after all, it was me that introduced them. So the idea of right. John and Paul coming together on the topic of girls and love was, was down, to, down to me. But again, I don't want to include this in the book. It's, it's too early. I got, okay, maybe we'll put a pin in it, but I, I think you should think about it. Jim, I, I don't know if you know this, but Will's a huge Beatles fan. I don't know if that changes your mind about having I, him write your book. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But a lot of people are. You didn't? I don't deny that they're a popular band. Yeah. I just don't care for them. I hope that doesn't sully your opinion of me, but uh, I am, yes, I have, um, yeah, I've read a lot about the Beatles and researched it, and I really enjoy listening to their music. So it is, and I, and like you say, I don't think I'm alone on that. I brought up that rooftop concert because I know there's a guy who was at that rooftop concert and he wrote a whole book just about that afternoon and it sold pretty well. And he just was sitting there and watching them do the concert. He talked about what happened that morning, what, you know, and, and I was reading it and I was like, wow, there's not a lot in this book, but it sold well. You have far more impressive material than that gentleman. Yeah, but what I'm asking you to imagine, Will, is imagine that book would apply to the gig that Jerry and the Pacemakers did down at Sefton Comprehensive School where they okay. were, you know, imagine imagine a whole book just about that morning. Let me try to imagine this. So it could be a whole book, Jerry and the Pacemakers, second or third biggest band of Liverpool in the 60s at Sefton Comprehensive. Is that the, is that that's what right. you said? That's right. So that's, I guess uh, that would be a high school in, in, your, in your vernacular. Was it mostly cover songs? Was it mostly covers that they did? Yeah, or? in those days they didn't have any songs of their own, so they just did covers from the musicals of the time. Right. They were they pretty. Could, they could was play. that seen as a, a young, cool thing to do to do covers of musicals? Like, would young people really come out to see a bunch of guys do songs from like The Music Man and stuff like that? Well, I well I did. You know, this was this was this was February 1960. I didn't have anywhere else to go, and these lads were playing show tunes that had a bit of sparkle about them. Bit of sparkle. How many people would be in attendance? Uh, would you it's say? a comprehensive school. They probably had about eight, 800, 900 students. And that big? Oh yeah, yeah. But um, big show. 
it was a compulsory assembly. I, I don't I don't know the Oh, they were required. Oh, so everybody to had to be there. Yeah, yeah. There. That's a bit of a takes a little bit of air out of it. But so yeah, we could maybe have a chapter about Jerry the Pacemaker's February nineteen sixty gig at Sefton Comprehensive. Were people on their feet or everybody was just kind of sitting down being forced to sit through it? Well you would sit in your class in your in your what we call um your form group. You would sit with the other sort of twenty five students. Um, and you'd be very well behaved, otherwise you'd receive a whack with the cane. Right. So a well-behaved concert is how you would describe this, the energy here. Well-behaved would be what we would describe it as? Measured, yeah, absolutely. You could feel the rock and roll in the room, you know what I mean? It was palpable. You could feel it, but nobody was showing it. Oh, that's right, that's right. This is before Beatlemania really kicks off. You know, Britain is a buttoned-up society, that's good. True. I'm sure Jerry and the Pacemakers were not alone in playing to very measured, well-behaved crowds. Right. I think we have to be careful how we title this book because um, it's. I think it might be easy to set expect. If you say Liverpool music in the '60s, yes, I was. Thinking, I think that's going to steer expectations wrong. I was thinking yeah. we could call it a magical mystery tour of Liverpool music in the '60s. I think that's a singularly bad idea for what you want to write about it. I think that is a powerfully poor choice. If you magical a magical mystery tour of the. That that is a Beatles song and a, a pretty famous one. Oh, is it? Yeah. So that I, I think that's really going to lead people into thinking it is a Beatles history, and they're going to be confused. I think when there's not even a mention. Of, should do you think we should have a chapter explaining why you don't include the Beatles, <sighs> and say, hey, I want to shine a light on some of the people who didn't get attention because I, I mean, just to clear it up. You're the professional writer, but I'd I'd rather not dwell on the Beatles because, as I say, well, I don't care for them very much. So what we're thinking is, it's a book about Liverpool music in the '60s. There's not even a mention of, I mean, not even a mention of the Beatles in the book. I mean, well, maybe we could stick them on the cover. That might shift a few copies. I don't think that's a good idea. If you're not going to even mention them in the in the body of the book, I mean, I've got some photos, you know, unseen photos from back in the day. Of oh me. my, you're killing me! You're killing me, Chip. We gotta, we gotta do this book. I mean, look. What if we do your your bullshit Liverpool musical book Excuse or whatever? Me? We just this whatever this horseshit is you're trying to do now. We get this out, grind it out. Whatever makes you, you know, gets gets you over whatever it is. Then we do this Beatles book. I mean, I tell you, man, this this could be. He huge. doesn't want that. Well, I'm Karen, you're a ghostwriter. Okay, I, I know, you're I supposed to write the book that he wants to I write. I want to do that, but his book's insane. All right, all right, okay, okay. Oh, it's not the story I want to tell. Yeah, okay. he has a story that he wants to tell. Okay. Let him tell his story, okay? Okay, okay. It's not your life. All right, you're right. You're you right. weren't there. You weren't there. You I wasn't weren't there. Liverpool I wasn't there in the 60s. Okay. You weren't there. You weren't You weren't the one who introduced John and Paul. Did you, you weren't the one who came up with these songs. It's, you know? it's filling me with, with an intense blend of having missed out and also rage. But I will manage that. Jim. Imagine how I feel. Yes, I can right. see that you also yeah. feel upset. So do you think that there's some, if we don't want to mention your history with the Beatles or how you got kicked out, is there some sort of arc that will hold this book together, some sort of personal journey that you went on separate from the Beatles that might that might be a framework for the story? Well, I mean, there's a, there's a natural calendar, isn't there? You know, the 60s covers 10 calendar years. So yeah, we could just do a chapter a year. That's That's not, that's that's a decent idea. I mean, after 1963, I stopped going to the Cavern Club altogether and I had to just sort of settle down and make a make a living for myself really mm. so it gets a bit, it doing, gets a bit quiet after after 1963 so we maybe just do the early 60s then yeah what'd you end up doing Jim well I I, I worked I worked on the docks uh-huh. wow. 
And that's a common job in Liverpool at that time, right? Because it's a port city and... Absolutely. I think at that time it was still a common job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think so And how too. was that? What what kind of... What was that like? I was, it was tough, you know, but you'd be people from all over the world. People would come to you, they'd say, wow, you've got... We've come to Liverpool because we heard all about the Beatles and we want to get a slice of what that atmosphere is like. And there would be people from all over, from Ireland a lot. A lot of Americans started to come over in sort of 1965, 66. And they'd... Um, they were hungry for it, and uh, I had to say, you know, we're not going to get along if you're going to keep bringing up the Beatles. <laughs> you'd right. bring it up with strangers, you'd let them know. I'd just let them know. It's good to set your stall out. That's what we do in the north of England, you know, everyone knows where they stand. Just just shoot straight, no no airs about you, just let them know, we're not going to get along if you want to keep talking about the Beatles. That's right, that's right. You, a dock worker, would say that to a tourist arriving for travel. <laughs> what else are you going to talk about, you know? Yeah, that's true, that's true. So well, maybe we'll have a chapter on Jerry and the Pacemaker's performance at Sefton Comprehensive. Maybe we'll talk about the Brill Cream Brothers at the Cavern mm-hmm. and our imag- and the imagined success that we cannot confirm they had. I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm hoping, you know, the process of researching the book, we'd get to the bottom that's of true. it. That's we'll true. Maybe we'll find some good stories. Well, I, I do think it could be a good slice of life book, you know, Liverpool in the wake of the Beatles, which who we won't even mention. No. No. Maybe we'll have a chapter on playing the washboard. Oh, great. Yeah, that that would be something I could I could definitely contribute to quite fully. Okay, so we'll, maybe not a full chapter, but we'll put it like in the second half of some chapter. But then don't you feel like you have to mention that he was, you know, in a band, he played the washboard? I guess we could just mention that you were in a band, but we just won't name what that band was or who you were with. Well, they weren't the Beatles at that point anyway, so I suppose that's fine. I mean, maybe it could just be a series of diagrams, just different angles of a washboard, and then the sort that of... sounds like a good idea. We'll have a chapter that's a series of diagrams of the washboard. Yeah, my expertise we'll would be in. apparent from that, really, I think. Maybe we'll open with that chapter to kind of establish your credibility. Yeah, that's great. Jim Stanley, washboard player. I haven't heard, I haven't heard that combination of words for a long time. Aww. And we'll mention that you were in the quarrymen, but we will fail to... We will just... We will not point out to the reader that the quarryman is the Beatles. Maybe, maybe some people will know that. But yeah, I'd rather not dwell on it. But if, if you feel we have to mention it, then I guess that's fine. You know, I saw Paul McCartney in concert this past summer. I live in Los Angeles. He came to Los Angeles, and they do a quarryman song in their set. They do "In Spite of All the Danger," which is a quarryman song. That's one of mine. And he introduces it. What's that? That's one of mine. He didn't. He didn't bring you up. He just said, "This is one from a quarryman," and they, and they play "In Spite of All." And I think there is a washboard guy on stage for that. It, you, no, you can't. You can't be. No. I think just for that song, one of his guys just like I think for quaint sort of sentimental reasons, it brings out a washboard. You know, Paul said to me, he said, "I like the song, but I'm not going to have any washboard on it." That's what he said to me in 1959. Well, he's gone back. Oh, that's on that. hurtful. That's that kind of shows the kind of character that he has. What kind of man he is? Ruthless. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay, I'm I'm sorry I brought that up. I, I shouldn't have mentioned that. It's, it's a really good tune. I thought the tune really held up. Harmonies were good. That guy, that washboard guy was going nuts. Well, it's easy to get in the zone. I could see why he would do that, yeah. You just shred it. Sometimes you just shred it, you know? I've never heard that verb with a, what, you shred it? Like just, I've heard shred like with electric guitars, but you're saying you shred the washboard? Right, I'm sure that's where the Beatles got the term from, you know? Just shredding that washboard. I guess yeah. that, that might I be bet that. you people were shredding washboards before they were shredding Yeah, guitars. shredding washboards, shredding women, shredding your fingers on the washboard, literally, you know. 
Wow. It's very yeah. close. All right, Jim. I think we have enough for for Karen and I to have a little bit of a meeting. So what, what, the way this process works is we'll wrap up this call. Karen and I will talk a little bit. And if you don't mind, we'll call you back tomorrow with some follow-up questions. Yeah, that's great. I've got to work anyway. So uh, that's, that's grand. You're still You're working, still working on the docks? That's right. It's pretty quiet down there. It's pretty quiet down there at the moment. But, uh, you know, someone's got You've to keep working. the lights on. You're in your 80s, right, 80s, Jim. That's insane. Yeah, just imagine the way my life could have gone. Maybe just imagine. Maybe imagine's a good title for the book. Yeah, I don't mind John Lennon's solo music, actually. I quite like it. <laughs> okay, oh, that's also interesting. That's nice. That's very strange to me. If it's all right with you, Jim, we'll call you back tomorrow. Yeah, no worries. Speak to you tomorrow. Hello. If you're enjoying I Will Write Your Book, please do that thing that every podcast asks you to do and go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It makes a huge difference to us getting to new audience members. Also, if you have ever heard of social media, there's I Will Write Your Book on Instagram and I Will Write Your on Twitter, which features photos of our guests. And sometimes we get fun fan art that mocks up the covers of these books that we are talking about on these episodes. And it's really fun. So I hope you get a chance to check those out. And thanks so much for listening. This is tape number 19. Karen and I are on the beach at Santa Monica. Pretty nice, pretty nice view, huh, Karen? Yeah, it's gorgeous. Thanks for coming out here. I'm trying you to ever I'm come a, down here? Not that often. I'm trying to get yeah, more. You live right by here. You should come here all the time. I know, I know. I, I, when, I moved, when I moved to the west side, I was like, I'm going to see the ocean all the time, but I've, I haven't done that. But I'm trying I know, to make... you got to get out. gives you a new perspective. I totally agree. You see the horizon. Yeah, it's just the vastness of the ocean, somehow it's soothing. I, I don't know. Yeah, why. because it reminds you how small and insignificant you are, Well, I didn't put it together like I that. I mean, you're I... so narcissistic that it should just feel like a comfort to realize how I am comforted. I meaningless don't know... you are. Mm. I don't agree with most of what you're saying. I do feel comforted. I'm not sure I sign up on That's the... what it is. That's what it is. You think it's because of my narcissism that the ocean comforts me? Yeah, because you're like, oh, oh, foof. I guess it's not all about me. Okay, I'll have to think about that. I, I do feel a sense of great comfort when I look at the ocean, but I... You know, I, I just want to tell you, ethically, I don't think you should write this book, Will. What are you talking about? I think ethically, you're going to keep trying to inject the Beatles into it. I think you just want to get these pictures from this guy. You want to get these him. stories from Unseen this guy. photographs? That's what, yeah, that's what you want, and it's selfish. And that's what you want to do. It's not and just I think for that, me. It's for this guy. This guy could make a mint on this. Like, just, just, he doesn't just, want to. He doesn't want that. How could he not want to? Even, even Pete Best is on Twitter, like, hawking old photos and stuff like that. And God bless him for it. I don't begrudge him that at all. See? You this is what you want. I knew, I knew it. I knew it. You just want to get your grubby little hands on these stories, Why grubby? on these pictures. Why do they have to be grubby hands? Because they I, are. They're grubby. At this moment, grubby, they're grubby. Grubby, little, little, tiny little fingers. Little is subjective, and they are grubby today, but I do normally keep them pretty You know, well you spread. should get, um, you can get, like, you can do little hand exercises. You know, you don't even need a special device. You can just get a tennis ball. What, to make my hand bigger? Yeah, squeeze it. Make a stronger hand so you have a stronger grip. Your hand size is locked in as a human being. I don't think that's No, true. you can change your hand size. I've never heard that before, really. Have you ever seen a bodybuilder with tiny little weak little fingers like yours? No. No, no. no. that's because they were building the muscles. There's muscles in your hand. 
But to change the skeletal structure so that it's large? It's not your skeleton. Okay, I'm not an expert. Okay, All right, I'll there's work muscles in your hands. I'll work out my hands. Look, I... I have to, I'm going to make one more pitch to him to make it a Beatles book, but if he says no, I promise you I'll drop it. Really? It's just to be fair. It's just to be fair. You're going to be able to do that? You're going to be able to control yourself? You're going to be begging. You're going to say, oh, you're just going to take an inch and make it a mile. You're going to say, could I please, you're going to take a centimeter and make it a kilometer. I just, you're going to say, please, 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 can I just see those pictures? And then, oh, you know, I think other people should see these pictures. I think we should put these pictures in the book. I mean, you're just going to be needling and needling, needling the whole time. I won't needle. As a professional, it is my duty to tell him what I think is a pretty clear path to a successful book. And if he says no, I will, I will calmly let it go. And if I said, please, please, I would say, please, please me by making a Beatles right. book. Because that's a reference to a Beatles song. No, I know. I'm aware. Okay. It's been a good meeting. So you're, well, you're all set for the call tomorrow? Yeah. I got you there. So you, I got your invoice. You've started invoicing me now for these hours? Yeah, because you said on the call yesterday, you said that... Well, this is did, part of the work that I'm being paid for this. And I said, I've never received payment for this. And you said it's included. And so I thought we agreed that I was going to start invoicing you for these. Okay. I just, it's, you, the invoice is so cold. Like you just, there's no hi, there's no message. Like, aren't we friends? Like that's what an invoice is. Oh, it's a, you know, it says Fine. you owe me this money. Who's going to send an invoice that was like, that says, Hey, how you doing? How are you? You can't chat a little bit. You can't chat or ask me how my day is. On an invoice? I mean, you're so needy. It's really beyond. So. It's Ooh, beyond. Look, 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 a dolphin. A dolphin. Yeah. Okay. How you doing on caffeine? I'm right back on it intensely. Right. Having like I four you cups keep in the it morning. Up. Yeah, yeah I, I knew you couldn't keep it up. I couldn't. I collapsed. You're weak. I am. Uh, all right, this is cassette tape 20. I'm on a Zoom call with Jim Stanley. This is taking place a day after our first meeting. Karen Donahue is here and Jim Stanley's here. Hello, everybody. Hi, Will. Hi, Karen. Hi. So we've had some time to think about your book, and we, if you're interested, we're really excited to work on it. Oh, that's great. That's great. I do want to say, and I want to say this in a very dispassionate, even-handed way, one more time, and I'm just going to bring this up so that we can so that we can never speak of it again if we don't want to. Would you consider making this book about your experience with the Beatles? And I'm just as a professional, it that's a that's a very marketable book, and I'm going to bring this up one time. And if you don't, then that's it. So, and I, this is my official time of asking you. So I want you to officially consider it. I just think, well, I've read that book a thousand times. You know, it's not the story I want to tell. The story I want to tell is the story of Jerry and the Pacemakers, Dilla Black, the Brooklyn Brothers. Okay, just making sure. As an example, then, I would like you to describe to me in your most passionate terms what it was like to watch the Brooklyn Brothers. Like, paint me the picture so that I can get a taste for what this book will be like. Okay, picture the scene. The Cavern Club, 1960. March the 3rd. Wow, your level of detail. March the 3rd, 1960. I remember it as if it were yesterday. I'm 19 years old. I'm queuing up outside. I'm in a line outside. I'm, 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 like, I'm craning my neck. I'm trying to see and who should walk in. The Brooklyn Brothers. Three washboard players of the highest order. Walking, I can barely see them. I can 
barely hear what's going on over all the screaming. Screaming, really? Screaming is mostly coming from me. And I, 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 pay, my, I pay my money in two bob. It's an off night. The Beatles aren't on. Two bob. I mean, I go down the stairs. There's pictures either side of this, this brick um, arch that I'm walking down. There's pictures either side of all the great jazz musicians that have played in the Cavern Club since it opened. And I walk down, and, there, and there's the stage, and the washboards are already set up. It's at one end of the room. The room maybe holds 50, 70 people. And there it is. I can see it lit up. Three washboards. I head to the bar. I get myself a martini because it's my, it's my, it's my relaxing drink. How big is the crowd here tonight? It's, uh, I'm there early. And I'm already, you know, there's five or six people in front of me in the line. And behind me, there's a good couple of hundred people. They're not all going to get in. In fact, none of them are getting in. None of them are, in fact, queuing for the Cavern Club. I later discover they're queuing for the bar next door. I see. So there's about five so of us there waiting. Five for or six. Okay. The atmosphere, you could cut it with a knife. It's, you, you could, you could really, it's really sort of um, tense. Okay. And um, then the lights go down and they come up on the stage. And the boys come out to sort of a smattering of applause. But my God, every one of those claps, you feel it in your gut. And they start playing. After that point, it's, it's just a haze. I was in a sort of catatonic trance. Yeah, you're just carried away by the music. That's a great way of putting it. Any singing? Does anybody sing or is it just pure washboard sounds? No, it's instrumental washboard. <laughs> I see. Three washboards it'd be amazing that's beautiful jim's beautiful really beautiful, beautiful and and story. you're very uh eloquent you really painted a picture there well that's the i just want to i want to be honest with you jim i want to tell you something yeah, of course man. will has an ulterior motive not true this okay about writing this lie. book and he is gonna bug you for those pictures oh. and he is gonna harass you for stories about john and paul and he's gonna want to try and write this book and turn it into the Beatles, about your experience, you introducing them, bringing up a lot of painful memories for you. Emma's a liar. I, she's a liar. That, she's a liar. That's lying. what's going to happen. Will's lying to himself. She's okay, he says he's not going to do that. Just for, for, for background, for, for background, off-the-record information, I might ask, just so I know the perspective of where you're coming from. He's dying for every little bit of information just that you have. See those pictures. See, see those beautiful pictures. Want to he see really the, wants to see. You want to see the pictures? Fine. Okay. Fine. Fine. Are you going to show them right now? now I'm going to hold them. I'm going to hold them up to the camera. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's see okay. what we got. There we go. There's the first picture. Oh that's me. Oh my gosh. That's me. That's John Lennon. That's Paul McCartney and the other blokes from the Quarrymen, and we are playing a gig. Oh my, look wow. at you guys. Look at they look like little babies. They're so young. Look how wow, the washboard, you and the washboard are right up front and center. Hi, Karen, you're right. You picked out exactly. You're right. All those all those women are really kind of flocking to you. When I look at this photo, I I, I sort of it makes me think of um, that painting, you know, Jesus and the Last Supper. Right. And I'm Jesus with the washboard in the middle. And I don't know if you can notice there the way my hand is orientated. That's a revolutionary way of playing the washboard back in 1959. I am sort of plucking it. You're plucking the metal. Yeah, I'm plucking the metal. There's no strings. That's right. And this that's... woman in the front is like throwing herself at you. This young, this young woman here is just like flailing her body at you. That's right. Yeah, that's Julia Lennon, actually. That's um, John's, John's mom. That's John's mother. That's crazy. Wow. I mean, this is an insane... There's not many photographs of his mother. Just a photograph of his mother would be incredible. Nonetheless, her throwing her body at her teenage son's friend. She loved the music, though. She she really got it, you know. 
Why he she she taught John Lennon to play banjo. I mean she's a she's a she was a musician herself. I don't know if you've seen that movie Nowhere Boy. I have seen it. Yeah, I, I was cut out of that movie. But oh my gosh! What that does show very clearly is how much Julia Lennon loved the music, you know. Uh, and especially the washboard. I, the washboard part didn't make it to the final cut because I saw that movie and there's not a lot about washboards in Nowhere Boy. There's not a lot, but if you look hard, you can see a washboard in the background of some scenes. This is also irrelevant to what we're currently talking about, but I figured out how old you are. You are 79 years old. Good. Yep. Yeah. That sounds just about so right. Know. That sounds about yeah. right. Just so you know. Thank you. Um, of course, okay. you know, to me, time doesn't really matter all that much when you're this old, you know, I've sort of lived a life. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. What's, what's the point? 79, 85, it's, it's, it's the same. That's an incredible photograph. What, can we just see one more? Just, and just for background, just for background information? Yeah, okay, I guess uh, I've got this one here. This is a photo of, um, this is actually where they chucked me out of the band. This is that. that Somebody that took is, a photo of that. Yep, that's right. Someone took a photo of that. And I've kept it as a reminder. Wow. Um, and there it's you painful. can see, yeah, you can see, you can see my tears running down the washboard. You're crying. Yes, yeah, somebody, this is an incredible photograph. Like, you're crying because the, the you know technology wasn't so advanced back then. Yet I can see your tears striking the washboard and glistening in this black and white photograph. And this is John Lennon with his arms folded. That's right. And and even in this photo, the washboard is front and center, right at the front. You know. You're very well framed here. Yeah. This is like John and Paul are sort of behind you. It's almost as if they wanted it to be photographed as a sort wow. of wow you know, a cruelty, a final cruelty to me. Chuck me and then there. they gave you the picture. Then you got the picture. They developed, they developed the picture. They, they gave they, you, they, they developed it, and, and then they gave you. you that, wow. They tracked you down later and gave you this photograph. That's right, yeah. That but, is very cruel. That's not necessary. But, I mean, I, I mean, these photos are only so useful because, as we talked about, this is not going in the book, okay? I don't want it's to talk It's insane. It's insane. It's insane. All right. Well, I, you know, I think I, I actually think a good title for this book could be The Brill Cream Brothers, The Untold Story of Overlooked Liverpool Music. Oh, great. And that hasn't got Maybe, any Beatles titles in it at all. I don't think so. So I think that might be a fair title for this book that actually says what it would be about. That's right. And I think the Brill Well, Cream... I, I, I just want you to make a pledge right now. Make a pledge. What kind of pledge? That you're not going to harass Jim for more photographs and more stories, and you're not going to try and hijack his book and turn it into... I can't do it. I can't do it. Jim, oh. you've got to write about the Beatles. You've got to do it. You have to. This is insane. You're holding on to a, not, not just a gold mine, but like a, like a, like a, like a, like a mother load of like fascinating information. You're a nutcase if you don't do this. You're crazy it's if not, you don't. It's not my story to tell, Will. I can't. Yes, I can't, it is. I can't tell it. Yes, I can't, it is. I can't go Just back there. Just tell you were part of it. I can't go back there. I can't do it. I can't put yes, myself. Yes, you can, you weak old man. Before you die, you, God damn it, before your stupid old body gives out, no. you've got to tell this my story. story. This is incredible. My stories have to die with me because I don't want anyone else no. to go through that pain. No. Everybody, you were, you were, you wrote with John and Paul. You were in the freaking quarrymen. You, you introduced them. It's everyone old news. It was their it's friend old, Ian. It's old news. Everybody, everyone's still fascinated by that news. The Beatles are like one of the top-selling groups every year still. Look, we've got a saying in Liverpool, okay? There's no point crying over spilt milk. And my... Everyone has that saying. That's not a Liverpool saying. You, you well, foolish we... old man. You dumb old man. <laughs> you dummy. You weak dummy. You weak dummy. Jim Stanley. 
You know You're what, Will? You, you sound just like John and Paul when they chucked me <laughs> out of the quarryman. This is how they kicked you out? I was they three months older cool. than those two, and they called me a dumb old man, and it could be. They could really be. <laughs> Uh, that's. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm both thrilled to be compared to John and Paul, but also they were right. They were right. You're a foolish old man. The Brill Cream Brothers sound actually pretty fascinating. Even five or six people watching. But it's sort yeah, of a proto hip hop thing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Here's the title of your book. In spite of all the danger, my time with the Beatles in the Quarrymen. Well, we've made the mistake there of mentioning the Beatles in the title, and I don't. Yeah, yes, yes. I'm trying to do that on purpose. It's. I'm not. That's not an oversight. That's such, oh my gosh. All right, I, I can't write this book. I can't do it. What? Karen's right. I can't write this book. You're gonna I, write I, it. I can't write I, I I'd be committing a sin of omission. It would be a cardinal sin as a as a fan of music history to not if you wanted to include the Beatles stuff and then also have a couple of chapters about the Brill Cream Brothers and Billy and the Haters and all the shows at Sefton Comprehensive. I think that would be fine as an epilogue or a coda to your main story, which is getting kicked out of the Beatles before Pete Best. Well, you say potato, I say potato. You know, it's... Oh, goodness. You're such an even-keeled man. You're such an even-keeled man. Look at me. Look at me. I don't have a... Look. Here, I don't have a washboard, but I have some metal. Look at this metal. Right? I'm going to play this like a washboard. I'm going to try to speak to you through your language. All right, this is me. All right, now I'm going to rattle on this... Here. Does that sound like a washboard? You're holding it on. I'm not holding Yeah? Yeah. How about this? And he has really weak fingers, Ow, tiny little fingers. Are, my hands are so tired. <laughs> my hands can't do this. Not as easy as it looks, yeah. is it, Will? Oh, God damn it, it hurts. Ow, yeah. my arms. You're making the same, right. same mistake John and Paul made. They thought the washboard was an elementary instrument for children. Ah, I can't do it. I've, I think I've hurt my, my hands have cramped up. My tiny little hands have cramped up into knots. I think you've further insulted Jim. Well, let me tell you a story, okay? Mm, Last night okay. I was working on the docks. And I was staring out onto the River Mersey, and a tour group came through. They were on the Beatles tour, and I couldn't. I just couldn't look at it. I couldn't listen to it. I had to turn away, and I stared into the Mersey. And I thought, do you know what, Jim? You could relieve yourself of this pain of being chucked out of the Beatles forever if you just land in the Mersey. Oh my gosh. Last night? Last night. But I thought, no. I've got two people over in America who really want to tell my story of oh, no. the 60s. I've got plenty to live for. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. I, Jim, I owe you an apology. I lost my mind. Please don't kill yourself. I, I um... Okay. Promise. Make that promise, Will. I promise. Make that promise. I promise. Okay, I promise. I promise I will write your book and there will be no mention or even a hint of the Beatles in that book. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking for my history of 60s music in Liverpool is no mention of the Beatles. All right. And maybe you should apologize to Jim for calling him a stupid old man. I, I, I am sorry, though. That was, a, that was a low blow, a crude swipe to call you a, a stupid old man several times. I apologize. I think we should go with your original title. Oh, yeah? A History a of mystery. 60s Music in Liverpool. No, not a... Okay, yes, let's go with that. A Magical <laughs> Mystery Tour, Liverpool... What about, what about Imagine? What about Imagine, A Magical Mystery Tour? Okay, great. Imagine, A Magical Mystery Tour, 60s Music in Liverpool. Yep, I can live with that. All right, well, thank you, Jim. And I'm really sorry that I exploded and called you several names just moments ago.
You're not the first. Karen, thank you for being here. Of and, course. Uh, I'm glad I, I could facilitate. I look forward to working on this book. Thank you. Hello, this has been another episode of I Will Write Your Book. My name's Will Hines. I played a character named Will Hines. Uh, this is a section where we do plugs. What do I want to plug? I started a band with my friend Joel Spence. It's called Wayne and Rodney. It's not a comedy band. It is a midlife crisis friend rock band, Real Songs. Please check us out on Spotify and Apple Music. That's Wayne and Rodney, which confusingly is a band of two guys named Will and Joel. I'm Pam Murphy. I played Karen Donahue. I'm Murphy, please, on Twitter and Instagram. And download Quibi! <laughs> we recorded these quite a bit in advance. I hope there's still a Quibi to download by the time we're plugging this. Oof. And, Ow. And uh, Sean, you're up. Uh, I'm Sean Lothian. I play Jim Stanley in this episode. I'm an improviser and writer based in London. You can see what I'm up to at Sean Lothian. That's Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Lodian, L-O-W-T-H-I-A-N. Uh, yeah, great. Thanks for thanks for being here, Sean. Thanks so much. And, uh, thank really you. Fun. So funny. Yeah. That's so funny. It was genuinely torturous for me to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you guys next episode. Bye. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot, Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're, you're here to, to believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.